There is passion and uh, profession. Passion is something that you like to do, spend most of your time doing. Something that uh, you do with less effort. Sometimes, by the way, you may not be good at what you're passionate about. But uh, you might be good at something else. Something either you have learned through experience or something you have learned through education. Uh, call it a profession or call it a career. Uh, so most of the time, most of us let go of our passions and think our passions cannot make for us a career. All our passions, we take them for granted. And sometimes you decide to you hide them out. Oh, hello. Yeah, my name is Dr. Juliet. I'm a dentist by profession. And I'm born in Uganda, raised in Uganda, studied in Uganda, UK, worked in Uganda, UK, Dubai. I have traveled a lot. I've traveled a lot. And uh, <clears throat> I I want to ex I want to use my my story of uh, finding myself and getting to really realize who I'm really, who I really stand for, my value, what I'm passionate about, what I'm good at. So I want to use my journey to get to know myself and how it has changed my whole personality and how it has made me realize that you know what, you can use your passion to motivate, inspire, oh, and even make money from it. Because whatever my eyes have seen, someone else is paying money to see what I've seen. Or someone else wants to know about that experience, the countries I've traveled. Let's give an example of Dubai. How many people are traveling to Dubai to work? The same jobs I went for the law jobs, the cleaning jobs, the maid jobs. So if we have a big number of people, especially from Africa, going to these countries to work on law jobs, they need a mentor. They need someone to tell them, you know, and prepare their minds for something they're going for. And um, my YouTube channel is a platform for many youths, of course, to teach them how to make videos and everything. But it's also going to be a channel for people who are working away in diaspora to be able to have someone to talk to or be able to listen and get and never give up. You know, it's very hard, especially if you're away from your family, your loved ones. You're in a society whereby everything seems to be so new. Everything seems to be so complicated because you don't really get what's going on. You just need someone to keep telling you it's going to be okay. So if we make many of these videos and um, many of uh, these audios to, for people, especially if you're walking to work and you hear someone who is telling you who has been a maid and now you're seeing her on TV, you're watching her on, on maybe stages and everything. She's uh, telling you, you know, it's possible to come from being a maid to working as a dentist on Harley Street in London. So you could be motivated and know that, you know what, 
This is just a process and everyone has to go through this process. It's something you cannot just skip. You have to go through pain to gain. But when you're going through that pain, you need a lot of motivation, a lot of self-realization. And many of these videos will be coming out and I'll be explaining to you, going back on my passion. <laughs> oh, my passion is camera, audio, anything like that, talking to people, inspiring, motivating. Generally, I think I like seeing a difference in people's lives. I enjoy hearing the successive stories, even if it's not my story. So, I will be able to, to share with you that story that has changed my life completely. It has changed my life and it has made me realize that every person in this world is very special and gifted, talented and loved. But we take the negative so much that we forget there is positive on the other side waiting for us. A lot of things to enjoy, you know, you waste most of your time there thinking and everybody hates me, nobody likes me. If we stop thinking uh, negative and just think positive, just think if it has not worked on today, maybe tomorrow will be a better day. Or maybe there is a reason why this is happening. Oh, could it be a lesson that I'm learning from what is happening today? Instead of mourning and whining over something that could be leading to something better. So I'll use my story. I'll be the patchback. I'll be the person people will insult for my story being bad and everything. But the good thing is, you know, at least I would motivate someone out there because I am very sure there are so many people living in their countries going abroad to work. I am sure there's so many parents paying school fees for children, but they've forgotten to pay attention to their passions. And they don't know, you know the school might fail, the education might fail, but then the passion might help your child. So. Many people I know will be interested in knowing how to get away with how to do this. Let me let you know, you know, long time ago, we used to learn about life and what is happening in life through family gatherings, through going, uh, you know, those, those round of fire, the traditional sitting around the fire, your grandparents will tell you about what used to happen, you know, long time ago. And then that we would compare it to what is happening right now. And then you try to relate and understand what's going on. Of course, we had some people in, in even long time in, uh, in the olden days, we had people who traveled and when they traveled, they were surprised of what they see, they see or saw outside. But when they came back, they became storytellers. These are the people who changed our worlds, who told us that, you know what? There is something called TV. There is something called radio. There is something oh, called a tractor. You don't need to dig big farms. There is an easier way. But we have thrown away all that because we are all taken into the world of competition, the world of jealousy, the world of wanting to be better than the others, the world of material things, the world of money, the world of pretense, the world of hypocrisy, the world of hatred. But why would we go for something like that when we are machines meant to make things 
different. We are machines that are meant to even make human beings. By the way, we are machines that are made to make our lives easy. But it all starts with you. If you don't change your mindset as a person, then we can't change the country, we can't change the world, we won't change societies. It all starts with you being real with yourself. Just be honest to you. Because there is a picture you have to paint to the public, you know, there is a, a mask you have to wear. But everybody, if you want to breathe freely, you have to take off this mask and be you. You go to bed and rest in peace. None of you can control how you put out your gas in the night. It just comes out. But why would you do it because you're in public? Because you're scared what the public is going to say. But when you're sleeping, your subconscious mind will release the gas without thinking who is listening, who is watching. If everyone would live their lives like that, you know things you're comfortable doing in the dark, you're not even afraid to do them in the light. Even if you're not supposed to be whole, you're not supposed to be perfect, then teach other people how to go through what you've gone through. Don't pretend to be perfect. We've had the worst days in our generations because we have no one to teach us. Anyone teaching us is either condemning us for being lazy, is either condemning us for liking nice things, is either condemning us for liking to travel or condemning us. But this is the generation we are living in. We can't change it, you know? So it, we need to have people to explain to us, people who have seen all worlds. Personally, I've seen worlds. I've seen the future of, of Uganda, which is like how we look at London. There are things you see, and I've never imagined them in my country, but I know they're coming. So how are we going to get ready for those things if they're not people like us who have traveled and come back and tell stories and come back and encourage us and come back and give us the easy way out and come back and encourage our young generation because the young generation is the future of this, this whole world. If we don't teach our children and prepare them for what is coming, this robotic world that is coming, if we don't prepare our children and we instead get scared even to buy your child a tablet, that's how long time ago people were scared to buy TVs because they thought TVs were going to spoil people. They did, but then it's changed. But how do we transit and remain with our custom? How do we transit and remain with our culture? Because us, like, let me say the Baganda, we have a rich culture and I love it. The Batoro, wow, you should see my mom. It's a rich culture. I love it. I can't, I don't want to change it. But then I like what Kim Kardashian does. I like what, I like what is out there. I'm copying their lifestyle then I have to copy their work ethics. But how are we going to teach our people the work ethics of the people they're admiring without showing them the truth, what's happening, without showing them the right way to change the world? And the only way to change the world is by changing yourself, is you. Let me tell you, have you looked in the mirror and you hate the person you see in the mirror, you think maybe she's very fat? Or maybe you think she has very bad hair? Or maybe... When you look in the mirror, you feel like this person is a liar. This person is a gossiper. You look at this person yourself, you can, because you know this person you're seeing in the mirror, and you see this person, you're like, you know, this person is, is bad influence. Because you know what you do behind when no one is watching. You know. If you sit and realize and meditate and know who you are, and start, stop blaming the world for being whatever they are. And then you have to realize that, you know what? It's my fault. 
it's my fault. The moment you realize it's your fault of anything happening to you, or the moment you accept that it's your fault, that whatever you're meeting, whatever you're attracting is what you are, that's where change starts. That's where success starts, financial growth. That's why your esteem will grow to 100 because if you hate the girl in the mirror looking fat, then you will hate the gym and look like that girl you admire in the magazine, trust me, if you hate her. But if you haven't hated her, you're still comfortable with her. Maybe you think she just likes to snack in the middle of the night. Maybe you think this girl, she just doesn't have the energy to do the sit-ups, the, all these things, you know, in the morning, you wake up in the morning, you have to run, do exercise, sit-ups, squats. You feel you know that girl who is ready to do the squats, then enjoy what you see in the mirror. If you feel all your friends you're having around, they're just gossiping, they're bad people, you hate them, but you still meet them, then watch yourself. Think through yourself. Stop being a victim. And just learn from whatever you're going through. Because the world is crazy. It's crazy. You can work for something for years. You can, you can study for something for years. I'll give you an example. I'm a dentist. I have studied in Mulago. And there, when I was studying in Mulago, my mother was a poor person. My mother, we, 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 we were not broke, because broke is when you have investments, but then you, you just don't have money in your pocket. No, we weren't. No, no, we were poor. My mother was a vendor in the market. Or we know market and we we are nine children so and all of us my mom loved good schools expensive schools so meaning me julie i was in mary hill if you know mary hill is a beautiful school oh it's nice it made me who i am thank you mom my young sisters my brothers everyone was in a good school she sacrificed she sacrificed. I used to go to school and sometimes my friends my rich friends would give me a lift and they'll drop me to a neighbor's gate and then I would tell them this is where I stay. And then I would walk quietly to our slum and then enter. And I would tell myself, one day I'll own my gate and I'll not have to keep lying to people that, you know, I live with these people. I remember when TVs had just come. Because me, and my, right now I'm 30 years, so TVs came when I was just young, like maybe five, six, or seven, or eight, nine, you remember? Or younger, I don't remember. But I remember when the TVs came, we had a neighbor who had a TV. <laughs> and you had to first wash, scrub your legs to just enter the house and see the, the soap that we used to like. And we would wait and wait and wait. We were so patient coming from school. But you know why we would wait? Because we were kids. Kids are eager to learn. And that's the generation you teach. I saw the TV, I thought in my head, oh my God, if I act at school and everyone likes it, imagine I was on TV. I would be a good actor. But then if you're African, you're from a black family and your mother is very hardworking, you have three options for a profession. You're either a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. Then you've given your mother the fulfillment of sacrificing her life for you. See how tricky. Me, I wanted to be on TV, radio, or something like that just to talk to people, change people's lives, tell stories of things I've seen. Because whenever I went to my rich friends' houses, I was mesmerized. I was, you know, you, I, would, I would enter the house and I feel like, I can do it. Because I would see they breathe the same air. I don't know, I think it, from childhood, I thought 
even if I grew up from Islam, from a ghetto, me, I thought I was a, a royal child. I thought I was special because even in Islam, I used to treat myself like, you know, anything is possible. If I don't have money, I have tomorrow. If I, we don't have food today, I'm sure we shall have it tomorrow. And that mindset, that mindset, if you put it in your children, if you make sure your children know that the rain is going to come, the rain is going to come, plants are going to grow, Talk about when there is no rain, there is drought. What are we going to do? Survival instincts. Prepare them that not everyone in the world is going to love them. And, prepare and listen to them. Listen to your children. Because no matter how poor we were, when Islam, when the ghetto, we were nine children and were living with many relatives. Our house, by the way, you would even pass through to go to the shop. Neighbors you tell you, you know, excuse me. I would like to go to the shop and you, you get, maybe you're going to eat, you pack up your things, people pass, you come back. If you're from Nabisalu Zone Katway, you know what I'm talking about. But my mother listened to us because there was a lot of things going on in our area. Things like raping, sexual harassment for kids. It's a slum, I'm telling you. Where we used to sleep, we used to sleep like maybe five boys and six girls in one room. So the only thing that took us through and kept us to be well-behaved or stay in line is because my mother listened and talked. She communicated every day. Do that. Because sometimes in your head you have this fantasy child. You know, you think you are going to produce a doctor because you're a doctor. You're going to, because you fail to be maybe a singer, you're going to produce the best singer in the world. And then God gives you a child that is not even close to you, close to a singer, or you're a model. God gives you a child that is not even close to that. But your dream is to be a model. So in your head, you think every child you should have, you should have, should be a model. Parents surprise me sometimes. You know, there is some lady I like to listen to. She's a very good motivational speaker. Uh, she, she said that uh, when you attack a parent, be ready to be eaten up or killed <laughs> because like a parent thinks that they know everything and they think we think because i'm a parent i have a son we think no one can teach us how to raise our children of course no one will teach you but picking up a thing or two is also good because with parents sometimes can be very selfish on our, on our children and as parents we should never expect anything from our kids because it is our duty to produce them and nurture them and let them grow. In Africa, as I said, you know, me traveling opened my eyes. I don't know if it will be able to help many people out there, but I'm used to the culture of, you know, go school and after school, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, as I told you, an African parent. We need to change that kind of, it's like a routine kind of lifestyle. And maybe change for, for one time, one time. You be this parent, because the child is more at school most of the time. Most of the time, the kids spend at, it at school than with you. So instead of always playing the bad cop, remember the teachers, the prefects at school, are doing their job for you. They are playing the bad cop all the time. 
But most children nowadays, the word they first learn to say is no. Why? Because most parents, that's all they say. No. No. It's, it's funny because you'll find a parent forcing a child, okay, to eat. You're forcing your child to eat food. You're like, you have to eat this food because, and then the child will rebel and refuse to eat it and you guys will scream and, what about, let's do this, what about we tried this style of raising our kids because I've seen it and I've tried it on mine, it's working. So I'm just sharing it. I'm not saying you have to do it, but it's a good one. What about you train your child, you watch, then you let go. Because in the world, you're not supposed to hold on to anybody. You don't have the capability. The only time you can hold on to someone is when you're pregnant. And that is for us mothers. You can own someone for nine months. But even they have their own day. You know, you cannot force them to sleep. You cannot force them to wake up. You cannot force them to eat, drink. You can't. But you own them. They're in you. You decide their life for that moment. And it won't take long. It's a short time. They will still live and... So from there go, train your child what you want, what you expect. Something that is not going to be hard on your own life. Because if you train your child to wake up every midnight to feed, and you know you sleep every midnight is when you're having your best dream, you're like, oh, can I say climax of your dreaming? And that's when you want to wake up and be giving, feeding this baby. My friend, this child is going to wake up every midnight. That is your peace gone. So look at your lifestyle. Fit your child in properly. Train. Show them. These, you know you'll be shocked. You look at a child and you think they're very innocent. They know nothing. They are green. They, they cannot do anything. But when they start speaking, you'll be shocked how they look at the world. They won't look at it comparing it to money, to profession, to race, age, culture, they don't know that. They just know humans, they just know happiness, they just know anything is possible. And that is a good mind to train the right thing. But if we start teaching our children to lie at that age, then we are training liars. If we start gossiping, with our friends in front of our kids, then we are training gossipers. But make sure if you're training a gossiper, you, you are guiding this gossiper to gain money from it. Maybe they're going to work on radio as picking out news about someone. Then you're trained, you're in the right profession, my sister. But if you want a lawyer and all you do with your friends is gossip in front of your child, then you are doing something wrong. Can I say mommy or daddy? You can't train your son to be a good man, a good husband. You think what you say is going to change what he's saying? Eyes record things direct to your brain. And it's the same with the kids because they're human too. So if you think you're going to come back in the night drunk, falling, eating, and then you're teaching your child that you need a good man comes back at eight. Papa, you're lying. Mommy, if you're telling your daughter that you know what? You shouldn't use a vulgar language, but the only words that come out of your mouth are vulgar. Then you're not doing the right thing. 
Me, my son always challenges me when I'm screaming at him because I like when I'm angry. <laughs> when I'm hungry, I'm the worst because I take in it. I know I had that personality. I would take in a lot. I still have it. I'm working on it. I'm not perfect. I would take in a lot and take in a lot and be calm. But then when I be when I'm pouring it all out, when I'm pouring out, it just it's like a bomb. So my boy would tell me, but mommy, you scream a lot, you will lose your voice, and my mind will be there. Ah! I was like, this boy is right. I should I need to work on my temper. So in my culture in Baganda, they say, no muto akume ngoma gumkulu nozina. I don't know how to say it properly, but I, at least I think you get the meaning. So about my childhood, me, I started working with my mommy in the market by the age of, I think, five, six. By five, six, she's not supposed to go with her in the morning and as she's removing things, starting. You are the one preparing her juice because first she's to tell her she's the money maker and we have to support the money maker. We have to make sure the money maker is happy, the money maker is not dead, and the money maker no one is chasing them for money. So when people, because we started on loans, so my mom used to borrow loans from private microfinance and many other banks. So when my mom would borrow money, and then bankers would come. So instead of her teaching us that, you know, like saying, tell them I'm not around. Do you know what she would say? She would be like, guys, protect the money maker. You know what to do. So she would go and hide. So me and my sisters would sit and think, so what do we say? She has gone to the market. That's bad, what do we say? Then the people come, then maybe we'd start being there, maybe we pretend we are hungry. Then instead of the guys asking for money, they ask us what's wrong. Then we'd be saying, oh, we're hungry, I've not had, because of course we used to have one meal in the night, but then we were used to eat. But you know, because we were ghetto kids, we knew how to act. So we'd say we're hungry, and then the person would be feeling down, gives us something to eat, of course we're hungry, eat. And then we'd even fear to ask us where our mother was, first we are hungry. And then they will go. And my mom will come and be like, yeah, you played it, but don't use the same thing. That woman doesn't have money to spend every time she's coming. So just try train your children. Just train. And watch. Watch them carefully. I think that's why this intelligent woman, my mom used to carry us to the shop. Because I hated going to the... You know when you're younger, if uh, any of you, uh, if you're from Uganda, you remember Christmas time when they would buy us those new dresses with the matching cape, a matching bag. And it was so beautiful for every little girl. It was like a dream come true. If you had one blue one this time, you'd have a pink one, a yellow one. And that was nice for every child my age. Not for me. Because me Christmas, I was going to become a dummy. A dummy is a baby that goes with a mom to, to measure the clothes on you. But you'd get paid. So you start working, you know, this is the hard way to do money. Now the worst used to come when the rain comes. Oh my God. And then my mom would be like, yeah, you have to find out protecting yourself. Every man for himself. Ah. Every time I remembered that, when I was working in areas that I could call slavery, when I was a maid in Dubai, I was promised a dental job. I was promised a nursing job or a dental job. I got there, I was put in a maid. 
remember my mom told me, you know what? No situation is permanent. As you're hiding, huh? make sure you stay with only life. If anything else goes, at least you have life. So every time they made me work so hard, you know, I'd just given birth to my son. I left my son in Uganda. He was eight months. I wanted a better life for him because I didn't want him to have the same life I had. I grew up in Islam. That's not the lifestyle I wanted for you. So when the opportunity came to Dubai, even if I reached the airport and they changed their mind and they're like, you know what? It's a made job. I was like, made you are, here I am. And you know, with your dental, <laughs> when you've been a dentist and people have talked to you, people have called you Musawo in Uganda, people have loved your work because as a, a dental trainee, even when I was working in LifeLink as a dentist, a, fully, a, a newly qualified dentist, they loved my work. I had my personal relations with my patients. Everything seemed so bright for me. The salary for 400,000 wasn't working for me, it wasn't taking me anywhere. Because I was paying the fuel, a little bit of money stays on my house, and I'm gone. I didn't know how else to make money. I even one time bought a boda boda, helped with the help of my mother, because she's one entrepreneur, oh Lord, bless her. I bought a boda boda, and the boda boda guy, instead I used to run on boda boda to look for him to pay me. And the money I would be looking around would be the same money he's gonna give me. Oh, life was so hard in Uganda. in my head I thought there was something better because there is a future my mom promised me. She said no every time even when like you know when you go for parties and we didn't she didn't have money to buy us clothes so she would uh, use the same gomesi and uh, gomesi is like a wrap Baganda is where even up to now it's our cultural dress. Kids are eager to learn and that's the generation you teach. Every time I saw the TV, I thought in my head, oh my God, if I act at school and everyone likes it, imagine I was on TV. I would be a good actor. But then if you're African, you're from a black family and your mother is very hardworking, you have three options for a profession. You're either a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. Then you've given your mother the fulfillment of sacrificing her life for you. See how tricky. Me, I wanted to be on TV, radio, or something like that just to talk to people, change people's lives, tell stories of things I've seen. Because we never went to my rich friends' houses. I was mesmerized. I was, you know, you, I, would, I would enter the house and I feel like, I can do it. Because I would see they breathe the same air. I don't know, I think it, from childhood, I thought, even if I grew up from Islam, from a ghetto, me, I thought I was a, a royal child. I thought I was special. Because even in Islam, I used to treat myself like, you know, anything is possible. If I don't have money, I have tomorrow. If I, we don't have food today, I'm sure we shall have it tomorrow. And that mindset, that mindset, if you put it in your children, if you make sure your children know that the rain is gonna come, the rain is going to come, plants are going to grow, about when there is no rain, there is drought. What are we going to do? Survival instincts. Prepare them that not everyone in the world is going to love them. And, prepare, and listen to them. Listen to your children. 
because no matter how poor we were when Islam when the ghetto we were nine children and were living with many relatives our house by the way you would even pass through to go to the shop neighbors you tell you you know ex excuse me I would like to go to the shop and you you get maybe you're going to eat you pack up your things people pass you come back if you're from Navisalu zone Katway you know what I'm talking about my mother listened to us because there was a lot of things going on in our area. Things like raping, sexual harassment for kids. It's a slum, I'm telling you. Where we used to sleep, we used to sleep like maybe five boys and six girls in one room. So the only thing that took us through and kept us to be well behaved or stay in line is because my mother listened and talked. She communicated every that because sometimes in your head you have this fantasy child you know you think you are going to produce a doctor because you're a doctor you're going to because you fail to be maybe a singer you're gonna produce the best singer in the world and then God gives you a child that is not even close to you close to a singer or you're a model God gives you a child that is not even close to that but your dream is to be a model so in your head you think every child should have you should have should be a model Parents surprise me sometimes. You know, there is some lady I like to listen to. She's a very good motivational speaker. Uh, she she said that uh, when you attack a parent, be ready to be eaten up or killed. <laughs> because like a parent thinks that they know everything and they think, we think, because I'm a parent, I have a son. We think no one can teach us how to raise our children. Of course, no one will teach you. But picking up a thing or two is also good. Because we parents sometimes can be very selfish on our, on our children. And as parents, we should never expect anything from our kids. Because it is our duty to produce them and nurture them and let them grow. In Africa, as I said, you know, me traveling opened my eyes. I don't know if it will be able to help many people out there, but I'm used to the culture of, you know, go school. And after school, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, as I told you, an African parent. We need to change that kind of, it's like a routine kind of lifestyle. And maybe change for, for one time, one time. You be this parent, because the child is more at school most of the time. Most of the time, the kids spend at, it at school than with you. So instead of always playing the bad cop, remember the teachers, the prefects at school, are doing their job for you. They are playing the bad cop all the time. But most children nowadays, the word they first learn to say is no. Why? Because most parents, that's all they say. No. No. It's, it's funny because you find a parent forcing a child, okay, to eat. You're forcing your child to eat food. You're like, you have to eat this food because, and then the child will rebel and refuse to eat it and you guys will scream and, what about, let's do this, what about, we tried this style of raising our kids because I've seen it and I've tried it on mine. It's working. So I'm just sharing it. I'm not saying you have to do it, but it's a good one. What about 
You train your child. You watch, then you let go. Because in the world, you're not supposed to hold on to anybody. You don't have the capability, the only time you can hold on to someone is when you're pregnant, and that is for us mothers. You can own someone for nine months, but even they have their own day. You know, you cannot force them to sleep. You cannot force them to wake up. You cannot force them to eat, drink. You can't, but you own them. They're in you. You decide their life for that moment, and it won't take long. It's a short time. They will still live and... So from there go, train your child what you want, what you expect. Something that is not going to be hard on your own life. Because if you train your child to wake up every midnight to feed, and you know you sleep every midnight is when you're having your best dream, you're like, oh, can I say climax of your dreaming? And that's when you want to wake up and be giving, feeding this baby. My friend, this child is going to wake up every midnight. That is your peace gone. So look at your lifestyle. Fit your child in properly. Train. Show them. These, you know you'll be shocked. You look at a child and you think they're very innocent. They know nothing. They are green. They, they cannot do anything. But when they start speaking, you'll be shocked how they look at the world. They won't look at it comparing it to money, to profession, race, age, culture, they don't know that. They just know humans, they just know happiness, they just know anything is possible. And that is a good mind to train the right thing. But if we start teaching our children to lie at that age, then we are training liars. If we start gossiping, with our friends in front of our kids, then we are training gossipers. But make sure if you're training a gossiper, you, you are guiding this gossiper to gain money from it. Maybe they're going to work on radio as picking out news about someone. Then you're trained, you're in the right profession, my sister. But if you want a lawyer and all you do with your friends is gossip in front of your child, then you are doing something wrong. Can I say, mommy? Oh, daddy, you can't train your son to be a good man, a good husband. You think what you say is going to change what he's saying? Eyes record things direct to your brain. And it's the same with the kids because they're human too. So if you think you're going to come back in the night drunk, falling, eating, and then you're teaching your child that you need a good man comes back at eight. Papa, you're lying. Mommy, if you're telling your daughter that you know what? You shouldn't use a vulgar language, but the only words that come out of your mouth are vulgar. Then you're not doing the right thing. Me, my son always challenges me when I'm screaming at him because I like, when I'm angry, <laughs> when I'm hungry, I'm the worst. Because I take in it, I know I had that personality. I would take in a lot. I still have it. I'm working on it. I'm not perfect. I would take in a lot and take in a lot and be calm. But then when, I be, when I'm pouring it all out, when I'm pouring out, it just, it's like a bomb. So my boy would tell me, but mommy, you scream a lot, you will lose your voice and my mind will be there. Ah! I was like, this boy is right. I should, I need to work on my temper. So in my culture in Baganda, they say, no mtu akume ngoma, no zina. 
I don't know how to say it properly, but I, at least I think you get the meaning. So about my childhood, me, I started working with my mom in the market by the age of, I think, five, six. By five, six, she's not supposed to go with her in the morning and as she's removing things, starting. Why? Because most parents, that's all they say. No. No. It's, it's funny because you find a parent forcing a child, okay, to eat. You're forcing your child to eat food. You're like, you have to eat this food because, and then the child will rebel and refuse to eat it and you guys will scream and, what about, let's do this, what about we tried this style of raising our kids because I've seen it and I've tried it on mine, it's working. So I'm just sharing it. I'm not saying you have to do it, but it's a good one. What about you train your child, you watch, then you let go. Because in the world, you're not supposed to hold on to anybody. You don't have the capability. The only time you can hold on to someone is when you're pregnant. And that is for us mothers. You can own someone for nine months. But even they have their own day. You know, you cannot force them to sleep. You cannot force them to wake up. You cannot force them to eat, drink. You can't. But you own them. They're in you. You decide their life for that moment. And it won't take long. It's a short time. They will still live and... So from there go, train your child what you want, what you expect. Something that is not going to be hard on your own life. Because if you train your child to wake up every midnight to feed, and you know you sleep every midnight is when you're having your best dream. You're like, oh, can I say climax of your dreaming? And that's when you want to wake up and be giving, feeding this baby. My friend, this child is going to wake up every midnight. That is your peace gone. So look at your lifestyle. Fit your child in properly. Train. Show them. This, you know you'll be shocked. You look at a child and you think they're very innocent. They know nothing. They are green. They, they cannot do anything. But when they start speaking, you'll be shocked how they look at the world. They won't look at it comparing it to money, to profession, to race, age, culture. They don't know that. They just know humans. They just know happiness. They just know anything is possible. And that is a good mind to train the right thing. But if we start teaching our children to lie at that age, then we are training liars. If we start gossiping, with our friends in front of our kids, then we are training gossipers. But make sure if you're training a gossiper, you, you are guiding this gossiper to gain money from it. Maybe they're going to work on radio as picking out news about someone. Then you're trained, you're in the right profession, my sister. But if you want a lawyer and all you do with your friends is gossip in front of your child, then you are doing something wrong. Can I say, mommy? Oh, daddy, you can't train your son to be a good man, a good husband. You think what you say is going to change what you saying? Eyes record things direct to your brain. And it's the same with the kids because they're human too. So if you think you're going to come back in the night drunk, falling, eating, and then you're teaching your child that you need a good man comes back at eight. Papa, you're lying. Mommy, if you're telling your daughter 
that you know what? You shouldn't use a vulgar language, but the only words that come out of your mouth are vulgar. Then you're not doing the right thing. Me, my son always challenges me when I'm screaming at him because I like, when I'm angry, <laughs> when I'm hungry, I'm the worst. Because I take in it, I knew I had that personality. I would take in a lot. I still have it. I'm working on it. I'm not perfect. I would take in a lot and take in a lot and be calm. But then when I be, when I'm pouring it, it all out. When I'm pouring out, it just, it's like a bomb. So my boy would tell me, but mommy, you scream a lot. You will lose your voice and my mind will be there. I was like, this boy is right. I should I need to work on my temper. So in my culture in Baganda, they say, no mtu akume ngoma. Gumkulu no zina. I don't know how to say it properly, but I, at least I think you get the meaning. So about my childhood, me, I started working with my mom in the market by the age of, I think, five, six. By five, six, she's not supposed to go with her in the morning and as she's removing things, starting. You are the one preparing her juice because first she's to tell us she's the money maker and we have to support the money maker. We have to make sure the money maker is happy, the money maker is not dead, and the money maker, no one is chasing them for money. So when people, because we started on loans, so my mom used to borrow loans from private microfinance and many other banks. So when my mom would borrow money, and then bankers would come. So instead of her teaching us that, you know, like saying, tell them I'm not around. Do you know what she would say? She would be like, guys, protect the money maker. You know what to do. So she would go and hide. So me and my sisters would sit and think, so what do we say? She has gone to the market. That's bad, what do we say? Then the people come, then maybe we start being there, maybe we pretend we are hungry. Then instead of the guys asking for money, they ask us what's wrong. Then we'd be saying, oh, we're hungry, I've not had, because of course we used to have one meal in the night, but then we were used to eat, but you know, because we were ghetto kids, we knew how to act. So we'd say we're hungry, and then the person would be feeling down, gives us something to eat, of course we're hungry, eat. And then we would even fear to ask us where our mother was, first we are hungry. And then they will go. And my mom will come and be like, yeah, you played it, but don't use the same thing. That woman doesn't have money to spend every time she's coming. So just try train your children. Just train. And watch. Watch them carefully. I think that's why this intelligent woman, my mom used to carry us to the shop. Because I hated going to the... You know when you're younger, if uh, any of you, uh, if you're from Uganda, you remember Christmas time when they would buy us those new dresses with the matching cape, a matching bag. And it was so beautiful for every little girl. It was like a dream come true. If you had one blue one this time, you'd have a pink one, a yellow one. And that was nice for every child my age. Not for me. Because me Christmas, I was going to become a dummy. A dummy is a baby that goes with a mom to, to measure the clothes on you, but you get paid. So you start working, you know, this is the hard way to do money. Now the worst used to come when the rain comes. Oh my God. And then my mom would be like, yeah, you have to find out protecting yourself, every man for himself. Ah. Every time I remembered that, when I was working in areas 
that I could call slavery. Like when I was a maid in Dubai, I was promised a dental job, I was promised a nursing job or a dental job. I got there, I was put in a maid. Then I would remember my mom tell me, you know what? No situation is permanent. As you're hiding, huh? make sure you stay with only life. If anything else goes, at least you have life. So every time they made me work so hard, you know, I'd just given birth to my son. I left my son in Uganda. He was eight months. I wanted a better life for him because I didn't want him to have the same life I had. I grew up in Islam. That's not the lifestyle I wanted for him. So when the opportunity came to Dubai, even if I reached the airport and they changed their mind and they're like, you know what? It's a made job. I was like, maid you are, here I am. And you know with your dental, <laughs> when you've been a dentist and people have talked to you, people have called you Musawo in Uganda, people have loved your work because as a, dentist, a dental trainee, even when I was working in Lifelink as a dentist, a, fully, a, a newly qualified dentist, they loved my work. I had my personal relations. Everything seemed so bright for me. But the salary for 400,000 wasn't working for me, it wasn't taking me anywhere. Because I was paying the fuel, a little bit of money stays on my house, and I'm gone, I didn't know how else to make money. I even one time bought a boda boda, helped with the help of my mother, because she's one entrepreneur, oh Lord, bless her. I bought a boda boda and the boda boda guy, instead I used to run on boda boda to look for him to pay me. And the money I would be looking around would be the same money he's gonna give me. Oh, life was so hard in Uganda. But in my head, I thought there was something better because there is a future my mom promised me. She said, no, every time, even when, like, you know, when you go for parties and we didn't, she didn't have money to buy us clothes, so she would uh, use the same gomesi. And uh, gomesi is like a wrap Baganda used to wear, even up to now. It's our cultural dress. We'd make different dresses out of hers for our all of us. And we looked funny, we looked like a, a group of a class. <laughs> and people would laugh. And every time they laughed, she would be like, oh, they are laughing at you now. Some of you are going to be doctors. When you're in Mulago, make them stay in the line. And we would laugh about it. And you know what? Life became so easy because she made fun out of every hard situation we had. And when I was in Dubai, every time these guys try to do anything to me. For example, if you walked in Dubai, you know those people will try to rape you, isn't it? They will. They'll come to your bed. They'll promise you a better salary. Even if you go to a big family, you find even the owner of the family wants to sleep with you. Maybe all the sons, the cousins, people visit, they just want to sleep with you. The problem with me was even I had big breasts. Oh, that is even bad. For a black girl, you have big breasts. Ooh. A proper imagination of a person who is very obsessed with slavery. And you'll go through that. People will try to rip you. But you have to remember your value. You have to remember where you want to be. That's why I tell you, don't take a step to travel anywhere. Don't take a step to invest in anything. If you don't know who you really are, who are you? Like, okay, let's start like, who are you? Who you are is, what do you enjoy to do? 
how much money do you got? You know, because the world might think your account is happy. But you know, maybe it's money loans. Maybe. So you know, you know, you know yourself. The best thing anybody would tell you. Personally, I'm not looking for likes, by the way. I used to look for likes when I was a dentist because I wanted patience and everything. I wanted patience to... I already had patience, but I wanted everyone to test that kind of patient-dentist relationship. I don't need likes. I don't. I just need to be real with you. When you go to your house, you know you. The world might think you are prayerful, but when you go in your house, you know what you do. So no one is going to tell you to change because everyone thinks you're perfect. Personally, when I was a dentist, there are days I didn't have any money in my pockets. But everyone knew I was rich because I was a dentist. Hello? So people are going to give you. But I knew who I am. So I would go in the mirror and I'd be like, uh, then stop lying to people, stop lying to everyone, and what's happening? Oh, check. If you don't have that check, don't bother traveling. If you don't have that check, please don't start a business. If your child has not found that check, don't open for them a business because you're going to waste the money. Anybody doing something you don't love, you're going to quit. Or if... If hard times come, you're going chicken out. <laughs> because you're not meant for that. You know when you find something you love, something you like to do, Something that gives you peace, gives you joy as you're doing it. Learning it is easy. Making an effort to be good at it is easy. But if you're good at something, let me say you're good at a profession. But you hate it. Now, loving it is so hard. Loving it is very hard. I'll go back when I was a dentist. When I was a dentist, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. It was my life. I loved it because personally, my joy, my goal is to see everyone smile. That's the name of my company, Julie Smiles, Just Smiles. Because I like people to smile. So at first when I was younger, I knew the only way I would make people have better smiles is if I became a dentist. I became a dentist. Then in Uganda, we were just removing people's teeth. So I was like, hmm. When I traveled to Dubai as a maid, then they took me to a dental clinic. I saw this guy who wanted me talking about extraction. Intrigued as a maid, my dream grew from zero to a hundred. I was like, No, let me make money and go to these other countries and learn how to do this. This, this dental, this dental thing, I could make, I could make someone happy, and that's all I wanted from childhood. Even when I was younger, you know, when you used to sing that song at school of or when, or when you grow up, what you want to be, or something like that. I always sang that I want to be a mother or a carer. And my mom, every time we are coming from school, she would tell me. Man, that, that is a shaming. People will think it's me telling you to. I'm like, no, but maybe me, you motivate me. Because we are poor. But I see the way you advise people. My mom's financial advice.